Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Today is part one of two, where we are talking to Ali Nicole about her novels. Over the next two weeks, you will hear about her journey of writing since she was a kid, adapting fan fiction to full-size novels, using people you know as inspiration for your characters, working through writer's block, writing with kids, and building your team. Heart of Conviction, Nathan Nathan Valentine had given up from ever finding love. Instead, he dedicated himself to being the best doctor he could be, so no one ever felt the pain he had endured. Sadie Mosey was a single mom with another on the way. She only thought about how she was going to survive to the next day. Can they help each other overcome the pain of their pasts? The podcast is Freya's Fairy Tales, and that is fairy tales in two parts. It's both something that we either listened to or read or watched the movie of when we were a kid, and it's also the journey for you spending days, weeks, months, years writing your book and then holding that in your hand as a fairy tale for you. Yeah. So I like to start off with <laughs> what is your favorite or what was your favorite fairy tale when you were a kid and did that fairy tale change as you got older? Okay, I'm trying to think what movie I was obsessed with because the books <laughs> I read were not fairy tales. <laughs> uh, it could be another short story or another story as well. I can usually find, you know, something that can go along with I read, it. I I read animal books then. Okay. So, like, uh, I think one of the books was called Misty, and it was about a little girl who really, really wanted a dog. Mm -hmm. And so she took all her allowance and bought a dog, but she kept it with a old lady who she watered plants for. <laughs> okay. And so her parents never knew. So she's like, "I have my chapstick money. I'm not going to get chapstick. I'm going to use my money to get for the dog." <laughs> And this whole time, her parents don't know this. And then the, the little old lady had, um, I want to say she had kind of heart attack. Something medical happened to her. And it was found out that she had this little beagle there with this little old lady. Mm -hmm. And her the little old lady's kids came and they're like, well, she's really attached to the dog. And the parents like, well, she can't bring it here. Like, <laughs> we told her no on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so she had to give the dog up to the little old lady, which in the end, the girl was like 12. And she's like, she better be with you anyway. You loved her more than me. I couldn't even get her dog food. Like, <laughs> that was the story. Okay. And so <laughs> I'm I'm guessing that didn't stay the same. Did What, what became your favorite as you got older? As I got older, uh, uh, Shifters became my favorite. <laughs> Any particular like, kind? Werewolves? I like werewolves. Other? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if I have to pick a series that I am like obsessed with with werewolves, it's by I can't pronounce names. I don't. I'm so bad with names. It's horrible. <laughs> I can read them all day long. Don't ask. But it's Charlie. It's um. You know I'm just gonna have to look right now because my brain don't work the way I want it to. See, that's what YouTube is for for me. If I have to look up like some author or whatever name, there's there's a couple websites that will give you name pronunciations. Because I'm like, when you're narrating a book, man, especially when I was doing <laughs> mostly nonfiction, you don't want to screw up these people's names. <laughs> no, that would not. That would not be good. Okay. Charlie Adhera. It's The Wolf at the Door. It's a five book series. It's male, male romance big bad wolf series okay and so that was your I'm favorite gonna... as you got okay this is my but i really love brave <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna switch i like i like i like independent women girls like mm -hmm. i liked how it switched like with mulan was my favorite mm -hmm. see my brain's clicking now it takes me a minute to okay. start 
<laughs> like ADHD brain. So then it became no. Mulan, fairy tale wise. Fairy tale wise, it is Mulan because it didn't need a man. It, like yeah. not really. Like the love story was. It wasn't about the prince and Mulan really. It just it was, that just so happened to be there. It just happened to be there. <laughs> yeah. And then Brave, it was not even there. Like, and so, was, at what age did you think, hey, it might be kind of cool to write a book, or I know I'm going to write a book someday, or at what age did you kind of start thinking you might want to write your own book? Oh, I was, uh, like, eight. Like, I started writing, like, eight or eight or nine. I started doing stories. Um, I actually wrote my first short story in my English AP class in the ninth grade I was English AP in ninth grade before they took it away from me <laughs> <laughs> and so your first story was that about shifters or was that what What was your no, first one about was, my first one was about tells you what kind of mindset I was in as a teenager um it was about a girl who became a famous rapper and came back to her school and rubbed it in everyone's faces <laughs> And so how did that then evolve into, I mean, the book that I narrated for you is, you know, he's one of nine siblings that fan, um, it's definitely, there's, there's no shifters. There's, <laughs> I mean, the independent female is there because she's a single, you know, single mom and all of that, but <laughs> the, uh, no shifters, at least not in no. the first book. <laughs> No, there won't be uh, in the conviction series. There won't be any supernatural element to it. So, how uh, long did it take you to write it, the first book? I'm gonna say like a year. I wouldn't even say a year, but the con like the uh, the series started off as fan fiction. So, mm -hmm. there's actually the two first two stories are about Nathan's parents, but of course, it's fan fiction. So, I, it's, I'll leave it there. Um, so the concept of his story was already like really already there. Like I had mm -hmm. several chapters written, but it was like, do I continue as fan fiction? And, but if you know anything about the fan fiction world, they don't do well with originality. Mm -hmm. Like they want, they want their characters. Like, like so I write Twilight fan fiction. They'd want Edward and Bella. These were Edward right. and Bella's, these are Edward and Bella's kids. It doesn't do well when it comes to like original stuff. Mm -hmm. So like you know what it's been I've been writing fan fiction since I was 17 I was like you know I'll just go and try <laughs> to publish it yeah I don't Nathan's Nathan's story doesn't deserve to be a fan fiction he deserves it to be original and I'm not going to compromise his story because fans don't like originality mm -hmm. they when want, it comes they want as close to the original but twisted a little bit yes yeah so which is weird because the fan fiction isn't all that close to Twilight, obviously, because it's contemporary romance. Mm -hmm. There's no, but it's still the character physique and clumsy Bella, whatever. So, so how long did it take you to write once you decided to, you know, spin off and go into novels? How long did it take you to write Nathan's story? Uh, uh so I started November. So November. I'm going to say about six months. Okay, that's not too bad. No, but like, it was not easy because like right about January, which of course it published in May, I had a massive roadblock on the second, like, so he had the first draft and then I was going through for the second draft and mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I had a massive roadblock where I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what is happening right now. Like I had no idea. And it was just horrible. So how did you work past that? I powered. Um, it was more like a mental block. I had a lot of, it was 2020. Mm -hmm. And okay, so 2021 is when I published. Wow, time's fake. I just want that out there. Time is fake. So <laughs> <laughs> I published in 2021. So I had a, uh, in January and February, I had a lot of real life issues happen. So it wasn't the story. It was my real life. And it was differentiating, like getting rid of, okay, I had to let go of my real life so I could dive back into the story and right. realize it wasn't the story that was 
I didn't know what was happening. It was my real life. I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. So you <laughs> had to kind of put real life on the back burner for a minute to be able to focus. Yeah. And then also I had a couple really awesome uh, people that were just that they're just uh, talking me through it and uh, listening to me ramble. <laughs> I'm a bad rambler. Like I need to go, like I need to talk out loud about my problems and then it just click clicks. Mm-hmm. Typing doesn't help. I need to say it out loud. <laughs> like, oh, that makes sense now that it's out loud there. It's out there in the universe. Now, having obviously not everybody that I've talked to have I had a chance to actually read through their book, but I obviously did get a chance to read yours for anyone that doesn't know at this point. I actually narrated um, the first book in the series. Second one's not out yet, but I did narrate the first one. Yeah. Um, and so as you know, having read your book, I'm guessing it either you are an amazing editor or it saw an editor at some point. <laughs> I am not a good editor. Let me let me be clear. <laughs> no, I'm not a good editor. I had some amazing beta readers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a friend, her name's Christy, and she uh, went to school for creative writing and like an English degree in editing like that's her thing and I mm-hmm. reached out to her I'm like hey um, I did a thing <laughs> I, I, I wrote a book and I'd really like to publish it but I'd really really like it if you would go through it and let me know what you think and she went mm-hmm. through it and like just I didn't ask her to edit it I just asked her opinion and she just went through and started editing it and I'm like awesome thank you she's like oh, I had so much fun please read out to me again for your next book because this was a lot of fun mm-hmm. so like, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> she did. She edited the whole thing. And uh, I was more impressed that there wasn't that much that needed fixing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grammar and punctuation are not my friends. <laughs> not yeah. My friends. Um, having read through, you know, books all the way across the spectrum from not edited at all to, you know, have seen publishing editors <laughs> see them. I will say every book that I have read has at least some errors in it. And usually, you know, the you can only read through a book so many times, especially when it's your book and not start like glancing over the errors. It's the same reason why they say narrators shouldn't proof their own stuff, because if you your brain saw the wrong word the first time, it's probably going to see the wrong word the second time and third time and fourth time, too. So (laughs) do I listen to that? No, but <laughs> it's hard, especially like when you're on a budget and everything like that. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, where do I make the number smaller? But and I know some errors made it too hard of conviction, which like, but it's like so many eyes were on it. But I was like, those errors were meant to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just those errors were meant to happen because I had Christy and I had like five betas on it. Plus, I went through it. But as the author at that point before I sent it in I was done I was tired of like I yeah the words you can't see the words after that <laughs> and so you said you were on a budget how much did you end up spending to get the book ready to publish uh honestly I spent only for the cover and formatting I didn't pay for an editor or anything like that so it, I did D Garcia which is Black Widow Design Okay. I hope I'm saying that right. But uh, I did 250. She did my cover, my paperback, ebook, and formatting. Okay. And then have you spent any on? Uh, I came across you on TikTok, which you weren't doing, or I didn't come across a paid ad. You may have done paid ads, but <laughs> I will not do pay ads on TikTok. I'm no. I have did some paid ads on Facebook, so mm-hmm. maybe 50 bucks, so 300 dollars. I don't like Facebook ads. They don't do well. Like, unless you're spending the thousands and thousands of dollars, I don't feel like you're going to hit that good target audience. And I got some clicks off the Facebook ads, but I don't, Facebook isn't what it used to be. Not even five years ago, Facebook is not what it used to be. So yeah, I found as far as, so I don't advertise for other people's books on Facebook, but for like podcast advertising, I found that I, um, for my budget, I have it set for $5 a day for podcast advertising, which I realize is a lot, but um, I have a daily podcast that I do. And then I have this one that I do. And so each one I have it set for $5 a day, to push it out there, but it it kind of learns 
over time. So, um, so like at the beginning, I didn't get a whole lot of traction on it, but now that I've been doing it since, well, this one since April, my other one since October, um, it's, it's kind of learned, Hey, these are the people that it does better with, which for my other one, it's like older women. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't surprise me if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my other one is a, a fiction podcast. And so it's like um, public domain. So like older classic novels, Jane Eyre, um, Emma, Three Musketeers, like old, old school. So so that one, I'm like, yeah, that seems about the right, right age group. So (laughs) I did, um, I did an ad. I spent like 15, it was like $15 and it was like over a one week period just to see and it did mm-hmm. not that it did bad but the fact is it's like I'm not I know this sounds bad but I'm not good as someone pointed out to me I'm not a romantic person so when I'm going through my book I don't know the romantic moments okay like, I'm writing through and I can't pick I know it's so sad but I'm like I don't know what the moments are like who what to me I can see what moments are for me but apparently my moments aren't what most audience see as moments okay <laughs> don't ask I've like for me I like acts of service so when someone is doing something constantly I Mm -hmm. see that and that is my love language so I'm like oh that's so romantic yeah apparently people like words especially when they're reading and I'm yeah I'm learning (laughs) hey well I have to say uh you didn't do a bad job writing it (laughs) so (laughs) no the one thing in your book I was like so I'm reading through it and because like they don't actually do anything well they do stuff but like you know spicy stuff there's like little like light spice during the book it's not till the very very end that it's finally like yes but (laughs) um you know as I'm reading through I I love I have to say I love the will they won't they like I like that dynamic um I like pretty much everything else too but that's my favorite is the like tension and the build-up to stuff happening so um and with them her being a single mom and like adding in you know the kid into the dynamic as well kind of um changes it a little bit more um so now when you wrote Nathan's story did you know you wanted to write all the other siblings or did you decide that later I always knew that everyone was gonna get a story uh I've I know all their stories like a, a couple of them changed. Like Ira's stories, Ira stories changed. He's the oldest, the, mm-hmm. the lawyer. His story, the deepest changed. voice of the ones that I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, <laughs> um, I, I technically have about one chap, one to two chapters written for all the siblings already. Mm-hmm. Mason, Mason's story obviously I have the most written because he's next. But uh, I've always known I wanted all their stories. I want they all have a story and they're all unique and uh of course I have favorites most of all the stories have pretty much have been the same for the last several years other than Ira he changed a little bit mm-hmm. um and I only one person knows how his story changed and they just stared at me like why would you do that I'm like because I can so because it's my book and I can do what I want <laughs> well it's like I'm, I'm gonna confuse people but at the same time it happens Considering he's married with two kids, so how yeah. does that work? Yeah. Typically, typically there's some kind of a falling out, and then it's the rebuilding. Usually, <laughs> or, yeah. Or, that... or new person, depending on how bad the fallout was. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really upset. Or death. I love Sam. Or someone dies. Yeah, I really love <laughs> Sam, too. And you, and Sam's, like, a critical part. Especially, like, you don't see the dynamic of, of Red uh and nathan much in nathan's book but like in this fan fiction that's where their friendship builds mm-hmm. like and of course everyone tells me you should really turn those you know fan fictions into originals so people can see that dynamic but it's fan fiction and it's written in, in such a way that it, it like it'd be so hard to write like to transfer it to like original I, my fan fiction writing and original writing are very different what I mean, and you could always get through the nine books and then go back and do like the prequels at you know after the fact. 
I probably will because I kind of was I played with them when I'm like I have a major writer block I'll go and I'll start playing with the names and changing over and stuff and mm-hmm. I'm like if anything they'll go they'll be turned in like a short version like a short story mm-hmm. not that they're very long to begin with but like a shorter <laughs> version like novellas instead of yeah novels. like take some chunks out of there but like um so it was a woman of conviction and a family conviction a family conviction is when all the kids come into play that <clears throat> was heavily Nathan's story as a teenager and mm-hmm. that's why I was told you really so they can get Nathan's teenager story I'm like they don't want Nathan's Nathan was such a Nathan's teenage story was very much heavily based off my dad my dad was a man whore as a teenager like <laughs> he he wasn't even 14 years old and he knocked up someone who was 18 okay. um, by the time he was 15, 15 16 I'm going to say 16. He knocked someone else up and had to marry them. Of course, this is early 80s. So Mm -hmm. it was a thing. (laughs) So like these promiscuous ways were definitely based off my father. (laughs) I don't know that any author doesn't use real life people somewhere in there. It may not be all of the characters, but some characters will be based off of people that they know. Yeah, well, I had someone try to tell me his, it was unrealistic that he had that much sex as a teenager. I'm like, one, where you never have you met teenager. teenagers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and two, it's realistic because it's based off my very crazy sexual sexualized family. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, are you done with book two or are you still working on book two? I'm on draft. Uh, so I had to scrap the first version of, uh, after talking to a couple different people and that read through the first version of Mind of Conviction, we like I had to scrap the whole thing. So I am currently on chapter 13 of it. Okay. Which is way I've made a lot more progress and it's so much better. That's good. So no, I'm not finished, but it's I'm making a lot better progress now. Mm-hmm. Mason has been so much fun. I guess my problem was the first round is I didn't know who Mason and Cynthia were. And I was just so stuck with trying to figure that out. Yeah, I was stuck on. um, I don't know if you're on TikTok or what side of TikTok you get on, but I got stuck on because Cynthia is going to be uh, Latina. Okay. Full blown. And uh, I got stuck on. I didn't want to whitewash her kind of thing. Right. And I got stuck on all this research and then paranoia hit me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I can't write her. I can't write her. And then after talking to several of my friends and stuff like that, they're like, I realize I don't need to make it about her background. I just need to make it about a woman falling in love. And it, right. made, it made a whole, it made it so much better. You're like, I don't need five chapters of where she came from. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't need to like, all the background noise isn't even part of the book. Like it is for me to make her character believable and mm-hmm. like her characters and stuff like that but I, I don't need to be as paranoid and then remembering that Nathan's the man man child of the family like you like have to I have to remember he's a sixth kid he's the first biological child of Liam like mm-hmm. he's like has his own mental health issues but like he's a child actor they have all kinds of like weird tics and he's a cinnamon roll he pines. I Nathan was like this alpha cussy kind of guy. Mason is not like. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, in the first like, <laughs> I think I think it starts with something about like I hate fucking paperwork or something like that. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I got like there was a couple of people. Um, I, I have like explicit they, warnings on this podcast, so <laughs> it is what it oh, is. Oh, it was like it was fuck fuck paperwork. And I'm like, yeah. yes. <laughs> I fucking, <laughs> I was channeling uh my brother like literally every other word is f is fuck this fuck that <laughs> so well I have to but, say um, too yours was probably the first book with any substantial amount of language in it which I don't necessarily have a problem with at all but it was just like the first time that I had to and then because most of it's in the male perspective I'm like all right so we have to drop all this stuff in the male voice <laughs> I'm like okay yeah no um Christy uh she was like I don't know do you realize you use the f word like eight times I'm like yes yes I do yes it's who he is like do you feel like you really need that many f words like I write like 
so my writing style is I'm that character when I'm writing so if my character I can't I have to do what he would do mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense but yeah that's how I write say, it too yeah so like Mason don't cuss like he kind of cusses but he really doesn't cuss like that mm-hmm. so he'll use freaking or occasionally you'll see hell but it's He's more like a man child who's like 22 years old and he's had everything given to him between his rich daddy or the fact he's an, a pretty famous actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he has Cynthia is his PA and she well, you kind of with- got glimpses of their dynamic in the first book. You kind of got a little bit of that in yeah. there like that. Man, she's driving me crazy. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't change because I try to put in like when you become from a very wealthy famous family you can't really trust anybody or trust really right I feel like everyone has a motive even when you're not rich everyone has a motive I feel but like when you have that extra that extra incentive of look at the name look at the money and then he's in the public eye but um in the book Mason's very much over that at this point because it's eight months it's well after heart of conviction and now it's just like i need to figure out how to get cynthia closer so you wrote and you published book one yeah and so you said you did that last year now i didn't come across you till this year because i didn't really get on tiktok until the very end of last year yeah um so you are obviously a different story because I think we talked about you planned on doing audiobooks. You just hadn't like gotten to that point yet when I found your TikToks and <laughs> approached you to ask yes. about it. <laughs> so how um you know, how did that feel for you or you know, kind of what was your thinking prior to being approached by me? <laughs> like uh, when did you think you wanted to do audiobooks versus, you know, how do you think the process went? What did you like and not like? So, um, I actually, it was about July, I want to say between July and August of 2021, because mm-hmm. I was talking to several, um, I want to say it's no, they're not book talk after dark anymore, but it's a discord. I don't know if you ever ran across them on TikTok, but, um, there's a group on discord and it was called book talk after dark. I don't know what it's called right now, mm-hmm. but, um, and they were talking about how like a good chunk of them are all audio listeners. Cause a lot of them have like perfect tunnel. It's really hard for them to like flip the pages they all want to, yeah and they're like are you going to turn your book into audio and I'm like you know I got to look into it because I know it's kind of expensive and I didn't have a lot of information about uh what we use the ace xc ACX. or whatever yeah. yeah so I went and I did look into it and I tried doing the auditions but I was so overwhelmed and I had an idiot a narrator approach me about it and he kind of was very condescending to me and then I'm in that moment like yeah I'm just I don't think I'm ready (laughs) because he was very (laughs) condescending to me and he's like well I could do it for this profit but you'd also have to pay pay for it too and I'm like I don't I don't understand what you're saying to me and then you figure I've never done audio this is my first book this is my first step into anything Mm -hmm. um so I didn't like the feeling I'm like you know what right now is I don't think is the time for me and I I put it on the back burner and I was like I'll think about it maybe after book two (laughs) okay and then when you approached it and I had a better feeling and you were actually nice and were <laughs> like, you didn't, you weren't condescending about it. And you were like, well, I can read. I was like, all right. You know, I don't know about pain. Like that's what like really confused me is they're like, well, yeah, we're going to do the, what we did, the royalties thing, mm-hmm. but you would also have to pay me. And that really confused me. I'm like, why would you also get royalties? Plus I would have to pay you. I'm really, that really confused me mm-hmm. and made me feel really stupid. <laughs> and I don't like feeling stupid. It's so it I was, it. yeah, I mean, just so, just so you know, there's three different ways on ACX okay. you can hire. There's royalty share, which is what we did, where you only okay. get royalties. So me and you will split royalties for seven years unless you decide to buy me out. Right. Um, then there's royalty share plus where you give basically a small stipend up front. So like I've had some that like they didn't, they want to pay the narrator something so that they feel like you know, hey, I put some money into this, but then yeah. they're like, hey, I can't afford full rate to pay it all up front. So they'll okay. pay, say, like 50 to $125 up front and then royalties for seven years. 
Or you can pay it all up front where you're going to pay, you know, a higher rate because I don't make royalties. <laughs> so right. there's the the three different options. But yeah, that doesn't sound like that was well explained. And I think a lot of a lot of authors don't understand what the, it's called royalty share plus. So it's royalty share yeah. plus a upfront stipend, basically. Yeah, see that that would have been better understood. But like it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't come across that at all. Well, and I don't know. Because I said, I'm a new author and I've never done this before. So please right. be patient with me so I can understand. I wasn't against paying somebody. It just seems like $500 plus royalty share. And I'm like, uh, what? Like, yeah. I feel like that's a lot. Not that it, not that he wasn't worth it. I just right. knew that was very much out of my price range. Right. <laughs> and like, I, I haven't was, even spent that on the whole book at this point. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, not that, because I, I know audiobooks and everything are a big deal, especially to be done right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's not worth it. I just knew that that was not me at this point. And, right. and I feel like I'm diminishing you. So I'm sorry. I hope I'm not. You're doing fine. That. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Well, and then just so everybody knows, like our experience, you're my second ever person to message and be like, <laughs> hey, you know, and the reason that when I approach someone, it's, you know, if you are already promoting your books, like actively promoting your books on TikTok. That's a reason for me. One, like I will not audition for books that I don't like the cover. Like that's like a huge, like if the cover is bad, I'm like, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. Everybody does. Everybody does. I don't care. I know it's what you're not supposed to to admit it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, and and I've been very honest with that up front. Like, if I don't like your cover, I'm not going to do it royalty share because I don't think same reason I won't do royalty share for nonfiction. I just don't feel like they're going to sell enough to make it worth it. Where if it's especially if it's a series covers well done, the author's promoting, I feel like in seven years, it may be a slow snowball to making money off of it. But yeah. There's going to be, yeah. Um, I mean, you're going to make something, but I do this, and this is going to make me sound terrible as a narrator. This is my, like, on-the-side hobby that I do. Um, So while I completely have no problem with narrators that do it full-time, and I would never cheapen what I do, and, you know, and I'm to the point now in my narrating where I'm asking for not not doing royalty share, because I still think if you're an author and you want your book done in royalty share because that's all you can afford. Um, I have no problem with doing books that way. Like I still do a lot of royalty share books, but on ones that, you know, you're established and you're wanting to pay and you've got the money to pay and whatever, by all means, I'm not going to say, oh, I'll take some really small amount of money and cheapen what I do. Yeah. (laughs) So so then what was it? Because we, I talked to you, reached out and I said, hey, if you want me to, I think it was like, if you want me to send you an audition here, email, you know, three to five pages to this email address kind of yeah, thing. So what was I, it like to hear that for the first time? I'm going to be upfront to I'm not an audiobook listener. My brain don't like it. Okay. <laughs> okay. My brain don't because, okay, so the way I read a story and it's like, it's a whole movie playing. So I have narration. I have action. I have the whole scene play. So when I hear an audiobook, it interrupts the whole thing. Uh-huh. So it took me a minute to really listen to it. So I had to have a friend help me listen to it. Okay. <laughs> who listens to audiobooks? I was like, okay, I need you to listen to this with me to help me. She's like, this is really good. I'm like, okay, okay. So I try and I almost cried because the scene I sent you is the scene I needed was the most important scene to me. Mm-hmm. Uh like one of the most like one of the most important scenes. But well, like, I think that's what I asked you. Send me a scene that you like this will be the defining if the narrator is good or not is if they do yes. this scene well. That's what I asked you to send me. Yes, yes. And so, and I was like, yes, this is awesome. Um, when I when you sent me the the other scene, I wanted to really listen to was um the hospital scene when he has uh, the hospital scene, uh, with Sadie when you sent me all the clips to review, I went to that scene before I listened to anything else and listened to that one too. <laughs> cause I wanted to make sure, cause that seems so pivotal to me. Cause it's the emotion. Mm-hmm. I always worry that I'm not writing the emotion well. So I'm like, I hope she did the emotion come across. And I, so, which came off so well, I started crying. Like that's all I cared about. That's all I cared about. 
because it took me forever to write that hospital scene like that's like that's a moment in itself so but yeah yeah I mean and quite honestly any of those high emotional scenes I don't know if this happened in your book but I've had a few where I almost I get myself to the point where I'm almost crying so you can hear that in my voice and then you know you got to suck it up so you can move on to the next scene but yeah like and I'm one of those weirdos not weirdos um I can make myself do that I can get myself to cry by thinking about you know something ridiculously sad and sometimes I did one story um my father died in November after years of suffering from diabetes related complications and so um, I recently narrated a book where the main character had cancer and was dying through the whole book. And it was too soon, too, too yeah. soon. And so that one is the first one that I actually had to stop while narrating several times to get myself together enough to be able to do it without actually sobbing into the microphone. Yeah, I could. But um, yeah, it's. And I won't do one of those books anytime soon. That was yeah, that was rough. <laughs> I yeah, I couldn't. So, uh, and I mean, it's so for me on the narrator side of things. So I reach out to you, and I'm just like praying. I'm like, please don't let because you don't know people that are self publishing. Yeah. It could be it never saw an editor. It's like terribly done, and it's going to take me forever to narrate it because I got to fix all the issues at the same time. Your book was not like that, which I'm so very, happy because I was really very worried. thankful for because like it takes me twice as long to narrate something that's full of issues. And so um, I stay now when I talk to you, it wasn't this way, but I stay pretty booked up now. So like if I see something that's bad, I have to cancel contracts because I don't I don't have the time too booked to have the time to fix that. Um, yeah. Now, I do have an author that I also edit for. Hers is different because, like, we have an agreement. I, right. I edit I edit her books. She's editing and beta reading my books. So, or alpha reading, technically, because she's reading as yeah. I write it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that is, like, I have to praise because I have a horrible habit, especially right now because I'm going through a massive uh, imposter syndrome, like, crushing. I don't like mm -hmm. reaching out to people and asking for help. But that right. is like the success. Every if you ask any successful author, public, traditional or indie, whatever, it's a team. It mm -hmm. is not a single person. It is a team. It's the alpha, the betas, the editors. It's an entire team of people. And I don't have a team. Like I have occasional people, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they, I always wait till like the last minute, and then I draw back. Like, mm -hmm. well, I've seen on tiktok so you asked what side of you didn't know what side of tiktok i am on both the reader and the author sides of tiktok so i get yeah. both along with narrators so i get narrators writers and readers i get all of their yeah. stuff and other voiceover people um so voice acting in general writers yeah. and readers so i get all of them but i've seen a lot of authors have good um or what I think is good response from like asking for arc readers and asking for beta readers and stuff like, Hey, reach out to me if you're, or prior to in, I don't know if you know this in January or February of this year, they made it where you can't um, put a link in your bio until you have over a thousand followers. That's and so, actually, like, I find that interesting. So I've been part of book. So I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I've been fine. part of book talk since about October I want to say August of 2020. Okay. And that's always been a thing. You had to have a thousand followers for a link. Now, if you go to a business account, mm -hmm. you can put a link in your bio, but you can't do certain things in a business account because of copyright issues. Well, now as of January or February of this year, a business account can't until it hits a thousand. Okay, I have, so that's what's changed. Yeah. So I have like the Freya Victoria profile, I started in January just before that. So on the Freya Victoria one, I have a link in there that takes to my website with my list of links. Um, right. But the podcast one, it, I started after that. And so I can't have a link. So I have to tag my Freya one. <laughs> so you can go there to get the link. <laughs> it's annoying. It's so, I was gonna say, I know, back in the day, I feel it's like, time's fake like I said but like back in the day a lot of people were like go to my Instagram 
like mm-hmm. before they could get this out like go to my instagram and they'd have instagram don't need so many followers you could just have the right uh link in there i'm just i'm not i just started recently doing random things like i started doing book reviews on my tiktok late lately as mm-hmm. a creative outlet <laughs> because i haven't been wanting to talk about my writing <laughs> Yeah, you're, so you said you're having imposter syndrome. I feel like I also deal with that now, probably in the last two weeks, I've stopped. I mean, at this point, I have narrated almost 50 books across That's three so different awesome. names. So like I have like Freya is my like fiction name that I narrate with but I have two other names that I also I started with my actual name and then went hmm I probably don't want all these under my name one my actual name is impossible to say so (laughs) (laughs) so then I started another name and then I did like all nonfiction, and that's where one of my other my other podcast is I host under that name and um for that one like my family and stuff know about it but then I started narrating spicy books and I was like, we, we need to, uh, I've done these like Christian nonfiction. I need like a okay for spice yeah. scene where the two aren't going to clash. And so, um, in my books, my writing is, um, spicy, not ridiculously, but more yeah. than your book was. <laughs> so- <laughs> See, I get awkward with spicy. I get awkward. Um, I read I a lot the- of it. I feel like that probably helps <laughs> so oh do not get don't mistake me I read like a lot like a lot and I read kinky stuff like whoo but when you read it then go to write it it feels different yeah <laughs> I don't know for me it feels different because I I don't know I view sex differently I guess I don't it's very complicated up here in my brain I, I actually <laughs> had the author that I edit for so the way that we ended in the me editing for her, she hired me based on an audition from ACX and was like, you know, I like you, whatever, whatever. And then she was like, hey, if you notice any, you know, errors in the book, let me know and I'll get them fixed. I'm like, cool. So I start reading through and I'm like, hey, I'm noticing quite a few things. Like, do you just want me to like throw it in a Google Doc and I can like edit and leave comments for like what I changed and you can approve it or not? So that's that's the way that we still edit today. And she's well, I've finished two books. We're contracted on a lot more. Um, yeah. I just, you know, have to get to them. Um, but yeah, so that's how we do it. We throw it in a Google Doc. I edit. I leave comments for here's what it was so she can see, like, the difference yeah. and fix, change it back if she doesn't like what I did. Um, but yeah, so that's... And then I started writing a couple months after I met her. And I was like, hey, can you, like, check this out? Because I want to make sure, like, I think it's good. Yeah, but I want to make sure. And so I sent like her a link to the Google Google Doc. And then I sent um, my best friend a link as well and was like, hey, because my best friend reads a lot as well. Not spicy usually, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and she she gets to like it finally gets to, you know, will they, won't they, will they, won't they little little things like spicy kisses up against the wall and all this. And then it yep. gets to like, you know, stuff actually happening. And she sends me this meme of Christina Aguilera, like fanning herself. And I'm like, <laughs> so I can tell what scene you just got. <laughs> but then I had my um at the end of March was my 10 year anniversary with my husband and so we were out um we went out to a, a town near us that has like a lake and we went and we stayed at like a hotel and we ate at this little shopping center near there for a weekend and we were talking about he is dyslexic but very very creative he does the blacksmithing um he does like other like hand crafty like wood carving like very crafty person um but he was talking about yeah i've had like this book i've been like in my head writing since i was like a teenager but i've never you know i, I think with the dyslexic i'm not going to be able to get it done whatever whatever and i'm like dude write your book and me and his brother went to school for the editing and english and all of that and so yeah. i'm like you know me or your brother or a combination of both of us will get it edited like don't worry about that and so we're talking about his storyline and then i started having another story that like that weekend it just embedded in my head 
<laughs> welcome. And, welcome and then, to the plight of writers. And then I'm like, I'm like, I'm 30,000 words into this other book. And this, I could, can't get the one to shut up in my head. So now I'm doing all this mythology research for that book that I haven't actually started writing yet because it'll be um, in the mythology subgenre and I don't want to screw that part up. So I'm, you know, it's different from contemporary where, you know, it's based on real life and or even other fantasy where, you know, werewolves and vampires and all of that has been redone so many times. You have pretty much free creative license to do what you want with those. Um, I'm like, no, when you start getting into you're using the gods from mythology, kind of don't want to mess that up yeah well and you know you want to make sure while you need to take some creative license to make it your own um in my head I'm like I don't want to change it so far from what people know that they're like what are we doing (laughs) yeah that kind of like you probably don't but there is a male male romance book by Haley Turner that does something like that um it's with the gods but it's all the gods across so like it's really cool like so you have the angels and christian and you're gonna need to send me that because that's what i'm trying to do i had no idea something out there was like that it's i don't it's you can always do it differently but obviously it's about i'll send you a link i think you'd be interested in looking into it yeah because i'm planning on combining like greek and roman which is essentially greek with different names and um like japanese and chinese and egyptian and like i'm Still yeah. haven't figured out I'll, how to do it, but I'm planning on I will, meshing. I will, I will send you a link because obviously okay. you'll do yours different, but this might give you right. a baseline of what to look at. Well, I'm reading through Akatar right now, and that one is actually in the mythology sub- subgenre, but it's like they don't use the gods' names. I feel like, I, have you read those books? I know they're big no, on No, they don't interest me at okay. all. So they're... <laughs> Um, so it's fantasy subgenre is mythology, and I'm like, I don't know how they're gonna wrap that in, but they have um the the big bad beasts, I feel like are based on like the titans of Greek mythology. It's yeah. just very like the big bad from like the beginning of time and like all of this, and I'm like, I can see now why. <laughs> but there's also the you know, the Fae and the whatever in there too. Um and um, some shifting. There's some shifting. Okay. so they have um the olympus gods Mm -hmm. they have gods from all different cultures Mm -hmm. and they use the names and they kind of do a small background of them of why they're there but they're all like there there's i'm so bad at names but you have mc1 and he's contracted like a soul bound to persephone okay because his family essentially stole and killed persephone and hades daughter so he has to make it correct but he's not just for persephone but for all the gods Mm -hmm. because the gods need to be believed in again they're losing their power because humanity doesn't even really believe in the gods anymore it's 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 interesting yeah i think the first mythology one i read i don't remember the author's name there's no audiobooks and i've reached out to her like several times now like please let me narrate your audiobooks because i've read the books twice now and i love them um but they did it's like the characters or not all of the characters but there's this family that are all descendants of the gods and they all have oh. like these powers of the gods in this family and it's the same relationship so zeus and um i'm terrible with names it's athena zeus and athena i think anyways it's like all the couples are still couples in these descendants or whatever and oh you're thinking hera it's zeus and hera okay yeah Athena um, is uh, Zeus's daughter. So it's, you know, they all have modern <laughs> names because they're these descendants yeah. of, you know, they've essentially bred with humans and they're these descendants of the gods living on our world. And this girl gets like, you know, mixed up in it and throws a, king, a wrench in everybody's plans Day. and all that. So, and I've read a couple other ones like that, but um, I just, I don't know that that's, the book that is taking over my brain is those ones now, but because I want to do a mishmash of everything, I have to know at least a little bit. Allie loved the story Misty about a girl buying a dog when she was younger. 
The Three Dogs is a German fairy tale. Andrew Lang included it in the Green Fairy Book, listing his source as the Brothers Grimm. A version of this tale appears in A Book of Dragons by Ruth Manning Sanders. It is Arne Thompson, Type 562, The Spirit in the Blue Light. Other tales of this type include The Blue Light and The Tinderbox. Today we'll be reading The Three Dogs from Andrew Lang's Green Fairy Book. Don't forget, we're continuing the original story of Beauty and the Beast on our Patreon. The Three Dogs There was once upon a time a shepherd who had two children, a son and a daughter. When he was on his deathbed, he turned to them and said, I have nothing to leave you but three sheep and a small house. Divide them between you as you like, but don't quarrel over them whatever you do. When the shepherd was dead, the brother asked his sister which she would like best, the sheep or the little house. And when she had chosen the house, he said, Then I'll take the sheep and go out to seek my fortune in the wide world. I don't see why I shouldn't be as lucky as many another who has set out on the same search. And it wasn't for nothing that I was born on a Sunday. And so he started on his travels, driving his three sheep in front of him and for a long time it seemed as if fortune didn't mean to favor him at all. One day he was sitting disconsonately at a crossroad, when a man suddenly appeared before him with three black dogs, each one bigger than the other. Hello, my fine fellow, said the man. I see you have three fat sheep. I'll tell you what, if you'll give them to me, I'll give you my three dogs. In spite of his sadness, the youth smiled and replied, what would I do with your dogs? My sheep at least feed themselves, but I should have to find food for the dogs. My dogs are not like other dogs, said the stranger. They will feed you instead of you them and will make your fortune. The smallest one is called salt and will bring you food whenever you wish. The second is called pepper and will tear anyone to pieces who offers to hurt you. And the great big strong one is called mustard and is so powerful that it will break iron or steel with its teeth. The shepherd at last let himself be persuaded and gave the stranger his sheep. In order to test the truth of his statement about the dogs, he said at once, Salt, I'm hungry. And before the words were out of his mouth, the dog had disappeared and returned in a few minutes with a large basket full of the most delicious food. Then the youth congratulated himself on the bargain he had made and continued his journey in the best of spirits. One day he met a carriage and pair, all draped in black, even the horses were covered with black trappings, and the coachman was clothed in crepe from top to toe. Inside the carriage sat a beautiful girl in a black dress crying bitterly. The horses advanced slowly and mournfully, with their heads bent on the ground. Coachman, what's the meaning of all this grief? asked the shepherd. At first, the coachman wouldn't say anything, but when the youth pressed him, he told him that a huge dragon dwelt in the neighborhood and required yearly the sacrifice of a beautiful maiden. This year, the lot had fallen on the king's daughter, and the whole country was filled with woe and lamentation in consequence. The shepherd felt very sorry for the lovely maiden and determined to follow the carriage. In a little, it halted at the foot of a high mountain. The girl got out and walked slowly and sadly to meet her terrible fate. The coachman perceived that the shepherd wished to follow her and warned him not to do so if he valued his life. But the shepherd wouldn't listen to his advice. When they had climbed about halfway up the hill, they saw a terrible-looking monster with the body of a snake and with huge wings and claws coming towards them, breathing forth flames of fire and preparing to seize its victim. Then the shepherd called. Pepper, come to the rescue, and the second dog set upon the dragon, and after a fierce struggle bit it so sharply in the neck that the monster rolled over, and in a few moments breathed its last. Then the dog ate up the body, all except its two front teeth, which the shepherd picked up and put in his pocket. The princess was quite overcome with terror and joy, and fell fainting at the feet of her deliverer. When she recovered her consciousness, she begged the shepherd to return with her to her father, who would reward him richly. But the youth answered that he wanted to see something of the world, and that he would return again in three years, and nothing would make him change his resolve. The princess seated herself once more in her carriage, and bidding each other farewell, she and the shepherd separated, 
she to return home, and he to see the world. While the princess was driving over a bridge, the carriage suddenly stood still, and the coachman turned round to her and said, "'Your deliverer has gone, and doesn't thank you for your gratitude. It would be nice of you to make a poor fellow happy. Therefore, you may tell your father that it was I who slew the dragon, and if you refuse to, I will throw you into the river, and no one will be any the wiser, for they will think the dragon has devoured you.'" The maiden was in a dreadful state when she heard these words, but there was nothing for her to do but to swear that she would give out the coachman as her deliverer, and not to divulge the secret to anyone. So they returned to the capital, and everyone was delighted when they saw the princess had returned unharmed. The black flags were taken down from all the palace towers, and gay-colored ones put up in their place, and the king embraced his daughter and her supposed rescuer with tears of joy. And turning to the coachman, he said, You've not only saved the life of my child, but you've also freed the country from a terrible scourge. Therefore, it is only fitting that you should be richly rewarded. Take, therefore, my daughter for your wife. But as she is still so young, do not let the marriage be celebrated for another year. The coachman thanked the king for his graciousness and was then led away to be richly dressed and instructed in all the arts and graces that befitted his new position. But the poor princess wept bitterly, though she did not dare to confide her grief to anyone. When the year was over, she begged so hard for another year's respite that it was granted to her. But this year passed also, and she threw herself at her father's feet and begged so piteously for one more year that the king's heart was melted. And he yielded to her request, much to the princess's joy, for she knew that her real deliverer would appear at the end of the third year. And so the year passed away like the other two, and the wedding day was fixed, and all the people were prepared to feast and make merry. But on the wedding day, it happened that a stranger came to the town with three black dogs. He asked what the meaning of all the feasting and fuss was, and they told him that the king's daughter was just going to be married to the man who had slain the terrible dragon. The stranger at once denounced the coachman as a liar, but no one would listen to him and he was seized and thrown into a cell with iron doors. While he was lying on his straw pallet, pondering mournfully on his fate, he thought he heard the low whining of his dogs outside. Then an idea dawned on him, and he called out as loudly as he could, "'Mustard, come to my help!' And in a second he saw the paws of the biggest dog at the window of his cell, and before he could count to two, the creature had bitten through the iron bars and stood beside him." Then they both let themselves out of the prison by the window, and the poor youth was free once more, though he felt very sad when he thought that another was to enjoy the reward that rightfully belonged to him. He felt hungry, too. So he called his dog Salt and asked him to bring home some food. The faithful creature trotted off and soon returned with a table napkin full of the most delicious food, and the napkin itself was embroidered with a kingly crown. The king had just seated himself at the wedding feast with all his court, when the dog appeared and licked the princess's hand in an appealing manner. With a joyful start, she recognized the beast and bound her own table napkin round his neck. Then she plucked up her courage and told her father the whole story. Then the king at once sent a servant to follow the dog, and in a short time, the stranger was led into the king's presence. The former coachman grew as white as a sheet when he saw the shepherd, and falling on his knees, begged for mercy and pardon. The princess recognized her deliverer at once, and did not need the proof of the two dragons' teeth which he drew from his pocket. The coachman was thrown into a dark dungeon, and the shepherd took his place at the princess's side. And this time, you may be sure, she did not beg for the wedding to be put off." The young couple lived for some time in great peace and happiness, when suddenly one day the former shepherd bethought himself of his poor sister and expressed a wish to see her again, and to let her share in his good fortune. So they sent a carriage to fetch her, and soon she arrived at the court, and found herself once more in her brother's arms. Then one of the dogs spoke and said, our task is done. You have no more need of us. We only waited to see that you did not forget your sister and your prosperity. And with these words, the three dogs became three birds and flew away into the heavens. 
Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for the conclusion of Allie's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear another of her favorite fairy tales.